0: Morning. I am so excited because we have a guest speaker who is with us. It was about uh, almost a year ago uh, that I had a first opportunity to connect with Will. We were supposed to meet in person and we were scheduled in the middle of March. And if you remember, everything closed down. So uh, we ended up Zooming, and uh, we we spent about an hour together just talking, getting to hear his heart. By the end of this, I'm like, man, we gotta get you in to speak sometime. Was so excited to hear what he's doing around the world. He uh, and his wife, and they have a ministry. They travel all around the world. Just came back from Africa this past week in Sierra Leone as they've got ministries bringing the hope of Jesus all around the world. Uh, So fun to see that. But one of the funny things was uh, Will, uh, former basketball player, so he's a little taller than I am. Um, and so, w- remember, we Zoomed the first time, and so then we had a chance to meet in person uh, this past fall, and he walks up, and he's like, oh, I thought you were bigger. <laughs> <I> said, yep, <laughs> that's how I am. But, uh, No, he has just got an amazing story, an amazing heart, and he tore it up this morning. And so you are in for a great, great message. Have an open heart because God is going to speak to you. Can you give a rounding Zoe a welcome to Will Jones? Thank you so much, Pastor Greg. Uh,
1: I just want to give these back because I don't have a sweet tooth. Uh, I have a sweet mouth, Uh, and so uh, I will eat all those, Uh, but I am super, super excited. You know, Pastor Greg, you are tall in the spirit, Uh, you know, and I I like to call you the dragon slayer, demon chaser. Uh, You're a great big man of God, and I just love what God's doing here through Pastor Greg and Pastor Amber and the Zoe team. Can you give it up for your leaders, man? This is, I'm telling you, to pastor in a pandemic. Well, I know you got some more gray hairs this year, and uh, but that's wisdom. Hallelujah, right? And so, man, I'm super, super excited to jump into God's word this morning. And so, if you have a Bible, you can wave it in the air like you care. Um, or if you have an Apple phone, come on, you've been redeemed. If you got an Android, we're praying for you after service. Uh, <laughs> or an iPad, that's awesome. But uh, we're going to jump right into God's word and uh, Luke chapter 15. If you don't have Anything that you can view on the screen in your hand, it's on the screens beside you. And so we're going to read from Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 10. And it reads this. The tax collectors and sinners all came to Jesus to listen to him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to complain. Look, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's the church people. That's what I like to call the Pharisees. Then Jesus told them this story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep but loses one of them. Then he will leave the other ninety-nine sheep in the open field and go out and look for the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he happily puts it on his shoulders and comes back home or goes back home. He calls to his friends and neighbors and says, be happy with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you there's more joy in heaven. Heaven throws a party over one sinner who changes his heart and life or repents than over the 99 good people who don't need to change. Then it goes on to say this. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins but loses one. But loses one. She will light a lamp, sweep the house, and look carefully for the coin until she finds it. And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, be happy with me because I have found the coin that I lost. And in the same way, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God when one sinner changes his heart and life. So, friends, this morning, I want to greet all of you who are here and those who are watching online. But I'm going to preach for approximately two hours, 16 minutes and 36 seconds. (laughs) And I want to preach from this thought until he finds them amen. until he finds them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my friends, brothers and sisters, those who are on the journey to know Jesus, watching here presently. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us to make us more like you. And I pray for those who are seeking and searching for the truth, Lord, that they would find it through your living word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I, I'm going to challenge you a little bit today. I want to kind of help you to flip out inside out uh, sometimes in the church we have to be careful because we can become consumers and the church can be about brands and there's a lot of brands that we love to go to Target Walmart Whole Foods all those types of things and if we're not careful we'll find ourselves just kind of being in this subculture of Christendom without reaching the people that God has called us to reach I mean, if you really think about that, let's just think about it. I mean, in Christianity today, we have TV, we have radio, we have clothes, we have uh, music, we have all these other types of things. But the reality of it is, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a bubble and we're not searching for lost people that God has us to search for. And so in actuality, we'll find ourselves isolating from the culture instead of infiltrating it. And that's the mission of God. He wants to find people through us. And so I'm going to challenge you and encourage you and give you some hope that God would want to use your life to find people that are lost and far from him. And as Pastor Greg was saying this week, our team just returned back from Africa, Sierra Leone. And it's a country of nearly eight million people and about 70 percent of those people are considered Muslim or some other type of animistic beliefs and practice, which means they worship animals and make animal sacrifice. And there's a very, very, very low population of people who would call themselves followers of Jesus. And so our team was doing a lot of cool work and seeing people come to Christ. But it's always interesting to me as I return back to our city, Minneapolis, in the greater metro area, that in our own city there are over 90 different nations totaling about 1 million people and less than 1% of them know Jesus. So it always hits me because I'm reminded that the mission is neither there nor here. It's really everywhere. And sometimes we can categorize or compartmentalize, oh, I'm going to mission. But mission is everywhere. And we'll all get the opportunity, hopefully, to cross cultural boundaries and go on a mission trip. But I want to tell you that you should be living on mission every day. And so as we dive into this text, man, I could not think about anything but the money that I lost as a kid. I don't know about you, how many of you, I mean, you don't right. love money. You don't, I mean, money's the, the love of money is the root of all evil, but we can appreciate a couple of little extra bucks every now and then. Amen. Right. And so I remember I found a Benjamin one day. I got a Benjamin from my daddy. Oh, my late father, man, he worked hard. He was a, a working man, and he provided for the nine children, drove 52 miles one way each day to work at a place called General Motors. Some of the cars you drive, he helped make them back in the day, and he gave me my first $100 bill. Come on, how many of you could use the extra 100 today? Yeah, I hear all the real folk talking now. And, and, and I remember I lost it. Not good. And, and in my house, friends, in my house, I grew up in a really urbanized city. It was really the inner city, or they call it the hood, just by namesake. And it was in a place called East St. Louis, Illinois, Southern Illinois, four hours south of Chicago. And I grew up, it was me, one of nine. I had eight sisters and me. And that's exactly how I felt. That's exactly, <laughs> that was exactly how I felt. And, and, and I remember I, I went to my mother, and bless, I love my mother. I said, Mama, I lost my money. Can you just see little Will? I mean, he was, he was paratech, just petrified. I, Mom, I lost my money. And she said, what money? She said, the $100 your dad gave you? I said, yeah. And She said, well, you'll find it. You'll find it. And I, and I, I went in this room. It was a holy room in our house. It was the holies of holies. It, in, in black hoods, in neighborhoods, and families, there's a place. And even Southerners, a lot of times, there's a place in the house. It's called the living room. And that living room is holy. I'm going to tell you how holy it is, friends. It has plastic on the furnitures and on the floors. And no one can sit in there but the holy people, mama, daddy, and the preachers on Sunday afternoon. And the kids, you go in there, you have violated the commandment, you shall be punished. And nothing can get in there but sacrifice. So I went in one day, and I was unzipping the, the, the plastic from the cushions, and I was tearing it up. And my mom said, Will, where you at? And she came in, and she said, boy... What is wrong with you? I said, Ma, I told you I lost my money. She said, that $100, you still ain't found it. I said, no, I think it's gone. She said, oh, Lord, let me help you too. She started tearing up the the money. Then my mom had the audacity to say, you know you're going to give me $20, right? I'm like, yes, Ma, just help me find the money. And we found the money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah found the money but I learned something in that principle that man we often don't understand how valuable things are to us until we lose them. Yeah. right? Have you ever lost something, friend? I mean, come on. Some of you have lost money. Maybe you lost it this week. This is like one of the golden things. You, We all freak out when we lose this, right? We freak out when we lose our cell phone because it's so attached to our hips. We break the law when we drive. Kids get in trouble at school. I mean, it's crazy. And when you lose that cell phone, you, like, you go crazy. I mean, some of you lost it this morning, didn't you? And then the other thing I know that we often so easily lose is these things that really start the car. The keys, how many of you lost the key this morning? You missed, uh-huh, I see you. So I see you over there, brother. Awesome. We lose things all the time. And for the, for the women out there, man, how many of you have ever lost this? The carrots, come on, the Bugs Bunny, the, the rock, the ring. Have you lost your wedding ring or misplaced it one day? And you just feel what it is. Just, there's just something inside of you that's like, if I don't find this, I'm going to. Oh, gosh, but the reason I want to share these things with you today is because these are so valuable to us. We don't understand the value until we really lose them. But when we lose them, what will we do? We will search for them until we find it. We're going to search for that car key because we know we got to get to work. We got to provide for our families. We got to take the kids to the games and we're going to search for them until we find it. My cell phone, when it's lost, what am I going to do? I'm going to tear up everything in in, in sight because I need it and I will search for it until I find it. Friends, I want to submit to you that God is really the same way. He searches for people until he finds them. He searches for people until we make the choice to either follow him or reject him. And in this story, in this story, there are three parables. And a parable is really hidden truth. It's this story that Jesus makes truth either in the beginning or the end. But in this story, he talks about three things, lost sheep, <laughs> and he talks about sheep and how they're crazy. Isn't that interesting that he calls us sheep? I'm going to tell you why. You're crazy. And, and, and it's interesting that he moves on from there, and he talks about this lost coin, which is where we're going to hang out today. But then he goes on to the prodigal son. Many of us have heard it called about the lost son. And in all of this, friends, he's trying to portray to us The father's heart in searching for lost things. And there's a theme in these parables that God searches for people. He finds them and then he rejoices. Do you know heaven has parties? Come on, if you can't party now, heaven may not be the habitation for you. You got to be able to party now when someone comes to Jesus because God himself does. And we're going to hang out in the lost coin section today. But I need you to know, Zoe Church, that God searches for lost people. He searches for them. Why? Because they're valuable. He he created them. Did you know, did you know that God is so awesome in his creation power that everything else he just spoke and let there be. But when it came to you and I, he actually put his hand on us and grabbed us out of the dust of the earth to form us and mold us and breathe life into us. You're valuable. People that are around you that are far from God, your family, your friends, your colleagues, they're valuable. Your your children, they're valuable to God if they are lost and without Jesus Christ. And so I want to show you how God uses this this theme all throughout Scripture. It's like this montage throughout the Scripture of God that he's searching for lost people. The Old Testament we see God is, 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 is making this covenant with his people. He calls this man named Abraham. And in this story, you may have heard Pastor Greg mention a little bit in this past series about the big story. In this kind of text, God calls this man named Abraham, who's a father to many nations. And he tells him, people are going to be blessed to you. People are going to get to know Jesus to you down the lineage that Christ comes And God uses Abraham and he uses this man Noah to build an ark over 100 years to form these covenants with people so that they can be in relationship with him. And so we're lost, but God's always searching for us. Even in the beginning, God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? He was searching for them. And so we see even in the Old Testament, God calls this man named Moses. And Moses is instructed and assigned with the specific assignment to build a tabernacle, to build a tabernacle. And this is what God tells Moses. I want you to build a tabernacle so that I may dwell among my people. So even as Moses built this tabernacle, there was still yet this distance because the people had to sacrifice animals. They had to lay their hands on the sheep, and that sheep had to be without spot or blemish or, or wrinkle, and they had to take it in through this whole process of sacrificing and getting their sins atoned for. But they could only worship God still outside of the tent. When Moses went, they were standing at their tent worshiping God, and he had to go in, and the high priest would go in to do their thing, and then the people would be covered for their sins. There was still this distance between them, but God yet still chased after them because he wanted to dwell among them. But not only that, God transitions to the New Testament, and there is about 400-year gap where there's nothing, nothing, nothing. Then all of a sudden, this man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King, the Christos, the, the, the living one, the King of kings, the Lord of glory, he comes to be the chosen one, and God uses him in the flesh. He is God. He comes as the Son of God, and he uses Jesus to be called something that we all know or may have heard of as Emmanuel. We may sing the song of Christmas. It simply means God with us. And so God is so God that he wants to dwell among his people. And even though we're stiff-necked, hard-headed, and rebellious, he sends Jesus so that he can get even closer to us to be God with us. And now we've got to follow this pathway of Jesus. But there's a problem because Jesus is still on earth, and so he's kind of limited of, of, of people following him while he's yet on earth. So God and his significant plan decides to bring the judgment of himself upon Jesus Christ because we had to pay the sin debt that we could not pay. So Jesus paid the price for our sin, died a death we should have died, lived the life we never could have lived, and he rose from the grave so that whoever in the world would put their trust and faith in Jesus' resurrection, we will have the opportunity now to be connected with God. And so Jesus dies this gruesome death, rises from the grave, spends 40 days with his disciples, and then he's like, hey, Peace. I got to go. But God doesn't stop there. Because literally a few days later, 10 days later, something called the Holy Spirit, someone called the Holy Spirit comes. He is God himself. And so God in the beginning says I want to dwell among you. I'm going to send Jesus to dwell with to dwell with you and be and so now then I'm going to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you. And so, friends, what am I saying today? God is so God that he was chasing man from the beginning that he wanted to be dwelling among them. Then he sends his son Jesus representing himself to be God with them. And now he's in us as the Holy Spirit, as God inside of us. And so I need you to catch this today, that God is wanting to search for people until he finds them through your life. And all of scripture shows God is searching for mankind. All of the Scripture shows that is the theme of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that God is on quest for humanity. And then he gives us this mission. Some of you may have heard it. It's called the Great Commission. I love that because it means that we partner with Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. We don't live on mission alone. It's a co-mission. We do it together. And it's not a great suggestion. It's a great commission. And so that is an obligation as believers that it's not all this good suggestion. We have to have the commission, and we've been commissioned as followers to search for people so that God can use our life story. And in this text today, I want you to see God, how he's working and telling us this story of how he's calling us to be. It says this in the verse 1 and 2 that we read. Jesus welcomed and ate with people. The Pharisees were so much of church people. They were making fun of Jesus. They were ridiculing him. They were giving him a hard time. This man welcomes sinners and tax collectors. But Jesus was trying to show them something, friends. I want you to see the significance of eating with people. Why were they so troubled about Jesus eating with people who were far from the law? who were living lawlessness, uh, why, why were they so troubled? They were troubled because they were stiff-necked and proud themselves. And they thought that they were the real Christians, or the real super-churched people. And Jesus had to correct them so much. And he says to them, I came to seek and save that which is lost. He lets them know so many times, that I didn't come for the righteous. I came for people who were lost. But in this context, it's interesting to me because in the Eastern culture, eating was a big deal. You didn't just eat with anyone. You ate with the most important people that was connected to your life. You ate with people who had good credibility, good morale, good integrity. And so when they saw Jesus eating with these low people, sinners and tax collectors, they were like, hey, this man's got a problem. He's hanging out with the wrong people. And so it's interesting as we think about this because even Paul himself talked about this in the Corinthian church. He said, hey, people that profess to be Christians, but their lives don't match up with it, don't even eat with them. And so you can see the significance of why they're saying to Jesus, why are you eating with these people? But you see, Jesus, my friends, wanted to show them something. The Pharisees, they were trying to play church and have church. But in actuality, Jesus was trying to show them how to build his church. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves playing church and doing church and coming to church. But in actuality, Jesus is wanting to use our lives to build his church. So in this story today, we're going to hone in on this woman, the woman, the woman. She was fun woman. She was recently married. How do we know that? Because she got these 10 coins, which really would have been equivalent to our wedding ring today. And back in the day, the bride would get this almost this dowry and this gift uh, from a family, and it would be these 10 coins, and she can wear them on her as a headband, and it would almost signify that she was recently married. This was like her symbol of we- of marriage. And I don't know about you women, but man, when you lose that wedding ring, it's it's something internally that just goes off in you. It's some anxiety, some pressures. And you just do whatever you can to find that ring. And this woman, she's on a quest to find this coin. But it's interesting because as we think about the sheep, the sheep are just crazy. They just wander and they stray. And then you think about the wedding, the, the, the coin, which signifies this wedding ring. That was truly lost because of carelessness. The sheep were crazy, but this woman was a bit careless. And so as we think about this, I need you to understand something. This is absolutely true what I'm about to tell you. It's not a relative comment. I want you to get this one. It's very true, friends, that our carelessness for souls can result in someone's lostness. Your carelessness for people to know Jesus can and will result in someone's lostness eternally. And so let me ask you the question, will people in your community or your city be eternally lost because of your carelessness for them? I really need you to grab that because God is wanting to show you something here. You see, this lady... She had ten coins originally, but then she lost one, and and now her set is incomplete, and and man, she's going crazy. She's doing some things I want to unpack here in a moment, but she's searching and all those things, but she's wondering, where's my other coin? And I'm thinking as I'm reading this text, why are you tripping, woman? You got nine other ones. Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) Right? I'm like, man... She's got nine. Just be satisfied. This is awesome. But she's doing some things. She's lighting lamps, sweeping floors, looking, as we're going to see in this text. And I pondered, why is she worried? But then I found out the history. That set of coins is not a set unless it has all ten. And so I begin to think about Revelation 7-9. If you haven't heard it, let me just summarize it for you. It says that there'll be every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group worshiping God after Jesus has returned and we're all in heaven and it'll be worshiping God at the throne. Did you hear that? Can you see it? Worshiping God at the throne, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group. We just got back from Sierra Leone. There was the Mende people, and then there was the Timne people, then there was the Kissy people, then there was the Gola people, and we were working with a particular people group to reach them because they're far from God. And I just begin to remember at Revelation 7-9 in my mind, God, there's going to be somebody here that says yes to Jesus, that commits to follow Jesus, that will be at your throne one day. And then I paralleled that with this story, and I'm saying to myself, why in the world... Is this woman going crazy? And the answer was again, her set was incomplete. But then I began to think about Revelation 7 9. Jesus, we're in a pandemic. It was a political pandemic, a race pandemic. A, 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 medical pandemic last year come Lord Jesus come how many of you said that last year just come Lord Jesus but it dawned on me he ain't coming why because there is an incompleteness to his throne there's no every nation there's no every tribe there's no every tongue there's no every people group sitting around heaven and so the mission is yet to be done and accomplished friends heaven looks incomplete right now to God So he hasn't sent Jesus to come back yet. So that means we still have a work to do and a work to accomplish with your gifts, with your talents, with your resources, with your abilities. And I want to encourage you today, Joy Church, God is inviting you, no matter how young, no matter how old you are, he is inviting you to allow your life to be used by him to search for people until he finds them. You see, this woman, she did something, as I was explaining earlier. She did something. She did something. Let me tell you what she did. She lit a lamp. She swept the floor. She looked diligently. She was carefully looking. Why, why? She lit a lamp, swept the floor. She, looked, she lit a lamp. She slept the floor. Why, why, why was she doing this? She lit a lamp because she couldn't see in the dark places where the coin could be. She swept the floor, she was having to reach into the cracks. In the crevices to possibly hear something that she couldn't feel or see listen listen she looked intently and diligently in pursuit of this coin because she understood how valuable and how incomplete she was without it oh what am I saying God will sweep he will light up a a, a city a village he'll do whatever he can in order to find people because they're valuable to him and I want to let you know today it's not God that's doing it in isolation from you and me It's God, Holy Spirit in us. And so you have God in you. Friends, as you're watching online, you have God in you, the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, God is in you. So this means just as much back then as it means now. So as God is inside of me through the Holy Spirit, he's making me to be more like Jesus. He's forming my walk. He's forming my thoughts. He's forming my talks. He's forming how I follow Jesus. He wants to use my life in whatever context or situation to find people through me. Friends, this woman, she had something that I would like to just simply submit to you. It was called intention. It was intentional. So I want to pose this question for you. What are you intentionally doing to carefully look for people who are lost? Friends, what, what are we doing? We're the church. We have one mission. The gospel. We have one allegiance. Oh! Let me say that. Allegiance. God Christ himself. That's our allegiance. Our mission is the gospel. To carry it in whatever you do in your life, God wants to use that life, submit it to Him. You could be a businessman or woman, you could be seeking for ministry, you could be a great mother, you could be a father, you could be whoever you are in Christ, but God wants to use your life with intentionality to find people that are far from Him. And so let me ask you another question Do you care for lost people or have you grown careless? I'll be honest, um, I, I, I grow careless sometimes, and I'm an evangelist. <laughs> sometimes I'm on a plane, and that's the best place I can talk to people about Jesus. Come on. I can't go nowhere. You can't go nowhere. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, if you don't want Jesus, you're going to really do something. If you jump out that plane, you just, you, you are not doomed for heaven. But I love it. But sometimes I grow cold. When I'm in an Uber ride several times a month going to the airport, and sometimes I don't want to talk to people. But it's real. We can grow careless. Some of you are probably sitting here today. You're like, man, I've grown careless. I've grown that. Listen, friends, I want to tell you, God doesn't want you to stay that way. It's okay. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Right? And your life, friends, is made up of God himself inside of you, and he wants to use you for his purpose and his glory. And so you got to ask yourself, have I grown careless? Let me give you a first step. Maybe you're here and you're like, Will, I've grown careless. i want to invite the worship team to join me here now. Will, I've grown careless. Man, I need, I need to light my fire again. I need to put some wood on the fire. I need to, I need to get back to, to caring for people the way God inside of me wants to care for people and the way he wants to use my life. I want to help you today do that. I want to help some of you that may be there. Maybe you just got to take a first step. It's like you got to take a first step. It's like a baby when they're wanting to walk. Listen, walking is not even just the end goal. They want to be healthy. But in order to be healthy, you got to start walking. But even before walking, you got to start crawling. And so some of you, maybe this is a crawl step for you. That's awesome. Some of you, you've been there, and maybe you got to start walking again. I'm going to tell you what you can do. Maybe you got to start praying for some people. Maybe you need a hit list. I remember my uncle, he was a gang banger, and that joker had a hit list. I'm like, I don't want to look at that. Well, maybe we need a hit list for God. Who am I praying for in my work? Who am I praying for to come to Jesus in my job, in my community, in my, at my bank, at my beauty salon, at my barber shop? Who am I care for at my kids' school? Come on, God's put people all around you, friends. Yeah. All around you, friends. And maybe you've got to rev up your prayer life for people. Let me tell you something. When you start praying for people, watch out. Watch out. I remember when I walked away from Jesus, my mom used to tell me, I'm praying for you, baby. I'm praying for you. I said, Mom, what you mean? She said, You can run, but you can't hide. When you pray for people, man, something happens. That's a dependence upon God that you're trusting Him to intercede on that person's behalf. And so maybe you need to start praying for some lost people at your school, at your university, one of your professors, your boss, your colleague, one of your teams that you lead at work, people in your community, at your bank. What is it that you need to do as it pertains to prayer? Maybe, maybe, just maybe you need to be involved in some type of outreach. Every time the church does something great, you're like, oh, that's awesome. But Maybe you need to actually be in it now. Maybe you need to get in that small group or start a small group and you guys find a pain point in your community and begin to meet those needs each month. Come on, you need to maybe get involved in some type of outreach where you can expose yourself to people and they can see Jesus in you and allow Jesus to work through you as you reach out to people. Maybe you need to be involved in more giving this year in missions. You need to trust God to use your resources and your prayer life and your outreach to give, to see other nations and other communities. Listen, I want to tell you, it's not either or, it's all the above. Because sometimes we'll give and we're like, I'm good, I give, I'm a faithful servant. Don't be a Pharisee. We need to pray, we need to give, we need to go, we need to share, we need to love, we need to be all encompassing because that's what our Lord and Savior did, Zoe Church. He gave, he sold, he shared, he prayed, he cared, he did everything in his power to search for people until his Father found them. And so what's your next step? You know, I remember the story of family who had saved, oh man, they were excited, they saved up to take their, their kid who was at an age where they can go to Disney World, and it was a prime time in the summer, they were so excited to go to Disney World, and the kid, I mean, he was elated, Starbucks espresso, happy, like he was just like yes, Disney World, I love this, thanks mom, thanks dad, and they were in the park and having fun, and you know, it was so many people around, and one bump here, and another bump there, and another bump here, and another bump there, and the child got disconnected from the family. And the mother said, Johnny, where are you, honey? Yeah, Johnny, son. They hear nobody. They could hear nothing. And so the young boy found himself somewhere on the stump, just crying, just crying. <laughs> and when a good lady came up to him, she kneeled down. She said, honey, what's wrong? He said, I lost my mommy and my dad." She said, I'm so sorry. She said, I'm going to help you find them. She said, I want to give you a little treat to cheer you up. She says, we're going to help you find them. I'm going to take you to a place, and that place is going to put out this call over the whole park, and every person in the park will hear that you are missing. You know who else is going to hear? Your mommy and your daddy, and they're going to find you. And so they took the, she took the little boy back and he grabbed her hand and they walked to the customer relations center. And at the same time, the mother and father were still looking. And, and, and when they heard this call, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we have an announcement to make in the park. There's someone who has lost a child. If you have lost your child, please come to the customer relations center and we will help you obtain them. Come on, you know, you just can't give children out today. So they had this process. And so the mother and father, they ran to the customer relations center, and they got there, and they go through this process, and they ask them a series of questions. Is it's is just, is it a boy or a girl? Who did you lose? And they go through this process, yes. What? Well, how does he look? About how tall? They ask all these questions, and they were all right, and so they bring the son out, and the mom just drops to her knees, and the dad just gets to his knees, and he hugs his wife, and he, he, he grabs his little son and they just begin to cry and the father says son I love you and the mother says son I love you and I want you to know something the moment you were lost we didn't stop searching for you we knew we would find you we love you we care for you the father said yes son everything your mother is saying is correct I love you I love you I love you and I care for you and I'm sorry that you got lost but we're here now and friends what am I saying to you what the mother said was so powerful to the son. The moment he was lost, they were looking for him. The moment he was lost, they were searching for him. That shows a God that we serve. That God is always searching for people. He's always looking for people. He'll go to the highest height, to the lowest depth, to the deepest valley. He'll do whatever he can do to find people through your life. But you've got to be willing to say, God, Here I am. Use my life. God, build my life upon your life. You're the chief cornerstone on which I stand. You're the rock that which I stand. It's not saying this is a rock, Jesus Christ, the rock of my salvation on which I stand, who took me out of darkness and put me into light. It's you, Jesus, that I can build my life upon. It's you, Jesus, that'll use me if I yield to you. It's you, Jesus, that'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could think or ask. According to the power that's in me. So, friends, I want to give you this this appeal right now. If you're here, you would say, "Will this year, not just this year, but my life, I want my life to be a life that God would find lost people through me. In whatever context I serve in or I do, I want that to be my life. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand. One. That's you. Amen. Amen. If you lifted your hand, stand. Come on, stand up. I got you. I know I did. I'm going to give you some exercise right now. Come on, this is some good stuff. Friends, 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 I want to, I'm going to invite the prayer team, the prayer team, and some of you may want to come down for just some individual prayer. I'm going to be praying here for you. We're going to spend the next few minutes before we leave to pray, and if you don't feel like You're comfortable with coming down for prayer. We respect that. It's still social distancing time. And so what I've asked is this. You would just maybe habitate in an area. You can get out of your seat and walk and pace. You can kneel in your seat. If you want to come up for prayer, I'm going to be here along with the prayer team. and We'll pray for you. But if you said, yes, Will, that's me, to that appeal, then I want you to just begin to ask God, God, what is my next step in my life? you to find people through me. God, this week, what are you asking me? Today, what are you asking me to do? This month, in March, what are you asking me to do? God, what is my next step? And so again, if you want to come up for prayer, we're going to be here, but I'm going to ask you, maybe you just kind of carouse in an area over there and find yourself praying and walking or kneeling at your seat. This is a response time for those of you that raised your hand. So let's just worship. I'm going to sing a song that says, I will build my life. God wants you to build your life upon him. Once you build your life upon him, you can't be shaken. There's a hope that's inexpressible. You may be bent, but you can't be broke. Because that's the God that we serve. And so I just want you to begin to cry out to God and ask him, what is it that I can do, Lord, to live a life where you will? Come on, let's worship and crowd to God